Donald Trump fucking sucks, you know? And uh, maybe, can I say that? on the, I mean, like, freedom of speech, so yeah. But, like, also, I'm like, damn, am I going to die now? Um, hey, folks, and welcome to Brown and Out. Today, we're speaking with Mumu Davila. How's it going, Mumu? It's going good. Kind of, like, like starstruck a little bit. You're, like, By really whom? doing it. You is great it's like i should like do less physical things you may need to pinch your own self just to determine (laughs) fact from fiction on this one um so mumu i know that you're from the bronx what can you tell us about hunts point community center (laughs) well i'm glad you asked um i as you said i'm from the bronx and i spend spent a lot of my time in Hunts Point, specifically at a very great community center there called the Point, the Point CDC, um, and they've got a bunch of programs um, for teens and youth, um, like all different kinds. And I really spent a lot of time there, like focusing on building my own character and working on things that I didn't even realize were possibilities. And to be less vague, they've got. Um, <laughs> A lot of specific like arts classes that they use um, for activism and like teaching kids how those two things can work together. So from things like circus class to um, painting to like photography and professional photography, not just like point and shoot, like digital, not to say if there's anything wrong with that, but like like black and white manual and like things like that, um, like developing your own film. Um, but also using all those programs to also be like, hey, we're going to take all these programs and we're going to use them in our activism by going out and like pushing for different things to um, build community. So like park um, cleanups, greenway cleanups, and just a lot of really cool and fun things that kids from that neighborhood don't necessarily know they have the opportunity to do. So... Um, growing up there, would you say this place was kind of rare, this type of place? Yeah, definitely. Um, it was, it's, it's really interesting because Hunts Point gets such a bad, um, rap for being like a really, I guess, community filled with violence. Um, and like, um, also with like bad air pollution and just like a lot of like, they even had like a thing like hookers in the point, right? Of like. Of like, I've seen that documentary. Yeah, and they—that's also really interesting because they try to use the points like, like, um, like they had like a really cute mural that said the point, um, and they used it in the documentary, and it was really fucked up because it's like you're using this to really like perpetuate a ne- like a negative stigma at, in the area by using imagery from a community center that's doing so much work to like break it down. Um, so it's really interesting that you've seen it because it's like. It was a huge thing of like, damn, we can't even have nice things because people really come out here and try to fuck it up. <laughs> so how would you say um, you said it had a lot to do in developing your character? Yeah. So how would you say that um, you are a, a different, better, brighter <laughs> person because of uh, Hunts Point CDC? Yeah. So um, the Point CDC... Um, I went there when I started going there when I was eight for like ballet classes because I was homeschooled um, for a very long time. And through 
through that, my mom was like, oh, they've got to get like socialized with actual like children. Um, so we went to different like workshops and like classes being like ballet, like arts and like um, just anything that they like offered. We we took uh, me and my brother, my sister. Um, and there are two programs that speci- well, I guess three programs that really like stuck out to me um, and really helped build my personal character and that was their um, women's empowerment class um, what well, was like more like a group like a women's club um, their action program and their circus program um, with the action program specifically um, they really taught a lot of like one they taught like urban sustainability which was really cool because it's like these like it's a program for like 13 to 18 year old kids in high school um, to come make like money from a stipend but also learn really cool things about like um, green life and like how to create a sustainable community even if you have like um, not all the resources that you like should and shouldn't deserve to have Um, and it was really cool because it's like they do like um, stop the violence things and like take back the night things and like just having young kids in like the mix of it of like really going out there on the streets and being like, yo, we want our community to be safe. Self-advocating. Self-advocating. And it's like really teaching about like um, grassroots activism and like build up like how to like mobilize a community. It was so, so cool to see, um, even if it's on like a small, small scale um, and how much that can change and like how, like how like you can see like parks and like greenways like come into community by, just by people that you know like going on the streets and like knocking on politicians doors and like really like getting what they want and like forcing people to serve them even when they want to like just forget about a whole like demographic of people which is pretty cool for the women's group um it was a very like specific time in my life um where it's like what is gender identity it's like why do I feel like it's weird here? Um, and it's like, I was going to an all girls school. Um, but it was like the only space that like they started like teaching terminology when it comes to the LGBTQ, um, um, community at at the, at the women's group. Okay. Yeah. 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 Um, which was really cool. So that was your first sort of introduction to the language of gender identity. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it was really cool because it's like um, they also had a men's group. Um, but because they had this language, like term, like language and base of foundation um, for like understanding like the intersectionalities of gender and like that they, they gave the space for wh- whoever wanted to like really feel out what they were comfortable with to go and like participate, which is really amazing for like young kids of color, especially in the city to have a space to do that and a safe space to do that where they know that they wouldn't be judged and like they could stay safe and be something that can stay with that one group, um, which was really, really cool. So it was like figuring that out of like what those spaces meant to me, but like how those spaces could change if I asked for it, you know, it's like, it was really, really cool. And the circus program. (laughs) And I'm really also trying so hard not to say axed because it's like that's when my New York City like like twang comes out because it's like very specifically. You can ax me anything you want to. (laughs) 
Thank you. Um, the circus program was um, really cool because, um, one, it's like, who doesn't love circus? And, like, that's so cool. Um, I actually, because of that program, was able to go to, like, a lot of different camps. Um, well, one specific camp, Circus Smirkus, which was really cool and is actually based here in Vermont, um, which we'll get back to later. Um, and it was also the first time I got the opportunity to travel. Like, the community center found us a stipend to travel to Italy um, and, like, perform um, for a little bit. Like, all we had to do was pay for our passport. Um, and, like, me and my sister went at, like, 14 traveling to Italy, like, with our, like, circus group which was really really cool like <laughs> yeah it's like how many like kids from the Bronx got to say that you know it's like it was so like outlandish that it's like it's just it's really great and like they they made that happen and they continue to make that happen for so many like kids That, that program is still running. Yeah, that program that. is still running. Um, they still do performances. Um, it's so, so cool because the kids that, like, the era of the point that I was a part of, um, I ended up getting, like, a bunch of friends. And, like, um, like it's, like, my little group. And, like, we all played D&D &D together and we're really nerdy. Um, <laughs> but um, because of how they taught us, um, like, how to function as a sustainable community, all those kids went back um, when they're like we're all older now and like stepped in as like director of the circus program director of the like action program so it's all kids who have gone through it like taking it over and make sh making sure that it gets to still like keep going no matter what because they understood how important it was for them um, so they know how important it is to keep it going for other kids so that is wonderful yeah it's really cool they're doing great things, big things. <laughs> it sounds like it. Yeah. Now, did you say we were to put a pin in oh, Circus Smirkus? Circus Smirkus. Let's get yeah. <laughs> down to the business of yes. Circus Smirkus. Circus Smirkus is a camp here in Vermont um, and like Sterling. It's I think it's still in Sterling, Vermont. Um, and it's like, it's exactly what you think it is. It's a circus camp. It's like they do like clowning and juggling and all these different things and it was like my first experience of Vermont um, and I think it's very very interesting to like I just moved here like a couple of months ago like in the summer um, to think that it's like when I was 12 I was here in a different in, like, part another of Vermont life, yeah. sort of yeah in being your like, circus days in my circus days uh, um, yeah and just like thinking that when I was there being like, oh, this place is crazy. Like, why do I keep coming back to camp? Like, I fucking hate it here. Um, I mean, it was really great, and I didn't hate it there. Like, it was a great camp, and, like, when I was there, I was having a you blast. You've been going through some things I was, also. I was, a, I was a little brown kid, like, ha like, having to go through mud every morning. They made us wake up and run. Like, it was, it was, they, they play no games. <laughs> um, they do strength training. Like, they really do not mess around. Um, and it's really, really cool. It's probably for um, the trapeze artists. Yeah, it, it is really <laughs> for the trapeze artists and the lyre artists and the acrobats. Like, they really, they, they do great. Like, it's a great program and it's a great camp. Um, but I was a very salty little kid and, like, no kid likes to wake up that early. But, you know, it was, it was good. It was a good experience. But just, just to think those things of, like, ah, oh, Vermont, oh, my God. Your, your sort of so impression wild. of it then versus yeah. now. Yeah, I'm still kind of like, oh, Vermont. <laughs> but it's, like, but <laughs> it's much better. What, what are, when you make that 
noise? What are yeah. feelings associated with I that? recently found out that y'all have a mud season, a whole season dedicated <laughs> to mud. And I'm not about that <laughs> at all. Not about that. Like <laughs> my friend told me recently, cause I was like, oh, oh my gosh, like the snow is melting. So excited for spring. And they're like, well, we've got to get through mud season first. And I was like, I literally teared. It's like, what do you mean mud season? Can't we just have like nice spring? Like, what do you mean? What do you mean? And they were like, yeah, there's there's dirt and mud under that ice. It's like, wow. Rude awakening. Yeah, it's real rural out here. It's like real, real, real <laughs> dirty. <laughs> um, well, spring will be here in, in due time. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. If we can just... Uh, bring our galoshes out prepare as best we can i think it'll serve us well (laughs) back to the bronx yes (laughs) i want to speak about a program which it sounds like from our previous conversations we both low in love Mm -hmm. um the get down (gasps) yes Um, it lasted two seasons oh so sad tragic (laughs) rp but i wondered if you could um give us a little bit of the get down uh, set in the Bronx in yeah. the 70s, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. could give us a little from your own personal experience, a little bit of the get down fact versus fiction. <laughs> um, so a lot of the parts, so while they were filming the get down, I was still in the city. It was still summertime and I got to like see like trailers up and everything. And I was like, what's happening? Are they gentrifying? What's going on? And then like it, like they came out with like the news of like, oh, they're having, a, they're filming a show. And they were actually like, they had, it was so cool. They had advertisement on like News 12 of the Bronx saying like, they're hiring actors. Like if you're from like 18 to whatever, like a come casting on. Call. Yeah, a casting call for like kids in the Bronx. And it was so cool. Um, and it was something I feel like that was really anticipated um, by the people in that community and like my community. Um, like all my friends were like, just like gagging for it. It was so exciting. It's like to have a whole show about like a, like a place that's like truly like, gets like pretty shitted on most times it's like which is like really like messed up because it's like really just like it's like what why why are people really talking shit let's talk about that like it's like it's because we've got a high population of like people of color in the low-income community but we were really excited for the show because it was going to show like the what the bronx was really like in the 70s and like just like what the culture scene was like there um and how it's still like that there um it's like it's so cool because it's like you get to see like Run DMC and all these different things. So it's like that's where like the fact comes in of like it was a huge cultural hub um, and it still is. For the fiction, let's see. <laughs> um, it is a, it's a fictional yeah, story to be clear. Ob- yeah, of course. But yeah. <laughs> um, I was thinking, you know, along the lines of as you were saying how the media does misrepresent the Bronx so mm-hmm. often. Yeah. I wondered if you saw any of that in um, the misrepresentation in the program. The get yeah, down. I think it does. Uh, I think it does a really good job at like paying attention to um, the development of hip hop. But I think that I would have really liked to see more of. Obviously, it's like maybe they would have done it if they had a little bit more time to do it. But the development of like. Um, how like the community themselves like not only through hip-hop but through like political action like really like healed the Bronx from that huge like 
Bronx's burning era, you know, of like, it's like they touched on it a little bit of like, um, like landlords burning down buildings, but it's like, it was so much more tragic than just that, like those few scenes, it really like impacted so much of the community. Um, and it was really up to the community members to take it from that to like something beautiful, um, which I think they have, um, and they still work on, but, um, what was the issue in the seventies? What so, was behind that? It was mainly like landlords trying to get like insurance money. Um, so they would burn down buildings, um, and like low income communities, even when people were still living in them. Um, and it was really, really crazy. And it's just like, it was a hard time in the Bronx. It was like when, um, police were really cracking down. It's like, you had like a more, like, it's like the first, like, spring forward towards like militarization of the police Mm. also it's like it was it was just a lot and just like you'd have like hot spots in the bronx so it's like places where police would like um go more and like Mm -hmm. it was like just it was just a lot um and it's something that like it's really interesting to learn about and i still need to learn more about it um but it's it was it was what caused the huge reputation that's still so hard to shake of like even like ireland they have like a part called the bronx because it's like it's literally there's just like a bunch of drugs and like gang violence and craziness and it's like this is a place in the uk and (laughs) they're perpetuating crazy stigmas also um so it's like it's real wild that is well the bronx has been given an international bad Mm -hmm. reputation yeah sort of shows you how far-reaching anti-blackness yeah uh racism mm-hmm. um the hatred of not of poverty but of poor people yeah. is so pervasive mm-hmm. um yeah that's interesting yeah and also just like the attempts to keep people poor of like to keep like communities segregated and like me like keep communities like from growing and even when we do like take opportunities to like create and build and make it safer that's when gentrification happens it's like now it's like now that it's become more palatable maybe like you can like turn the script and make it a place for people with more money and like white people to come live so it's like it's like you win if you you lose if you lose no matter what has um the bronx in your opinion experienced a lot of gentrification it's starting to um yeah it's um, especially like Melrose and like different parts of like Riverdale, it's already starting. Like, it's like, it's when we're finally starting to get things for ourselves, people are starting to come in and like take, take it and also raise the prices of rent, um, which really sucks, which like you kind of saw, I don't know if you knew about like the like huge like Bronx party that happened. It was like a huge, I can't even remember what the name of it was, but they were like trying to change the Bronx's name to the piano district and they have a Bronx's burning themed party. And it was really crazy. There was like a car with like gunshots in it and like, it was just a whole wild like mess. Like a real estate like, group or something? Yeah, it was like, party? it was like a, um, ooh, who, who's the person that's married to uh, Alicia Keys? Swiss Beats. Swiss Beats. Mm-hmm. It was a, a Swiss Beats through the party. Um, along with people who also were doing different real estate things. Um, and it was like a huge scandal. Like we're having a rebranding party for the Bronx by hearkening back to like Mm -hmm. the worst parts of its reputation. It was so, so messy. Yeah. 
Um, Come on, Swizz. Yeah, it was real messy. Um, yeah, it was real messy. And it like, luckily they weren't able to change the name to the Piano District. And it was like also such a random name of like, just because like one store made pianos one time, like they try to make the whole like borough like a different name. But yeah. They could rename Burlington the Maple District, and that would make a lot of sense, yeah. right? That would yeah. be like totally sensible. Yeah. I'd like to talk for a moment about your mother's potato salad. Huh. <laughs> ooh. Just, yes. uh, just a word if you mm-hmm. have... Uh, oh, ooh. If I chose a word, it'd be disgusting. <laughs> no. <laughs> no, not one word. Just a brief um, yeah. reflection <laughs> on... Yeah. This dish. Yeah, I really hope my mom never hears this um, for many reasons, um, <laughs> but mainly because of this. I absolutely hate her potato salad, and it's like I feel like it's a new trend to put just weird shit in potato salad. I don't like potato salad no matter how you spin it, but it's like putting like cranberries and like apples and just grow like just like things that don't belong in a potato salad in a potato salad is just like. It's apples shouldn't be with mayonnaise. Just that's it. Period. Point blank. Done. Done. Apples do not belong anywhere near mayonnaise. That's just terrible. And I honestly think it's it's real sad. And it's something that can never be talked about with her. Cause Is it something she continues to make? Oh. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. It's a, it's a, it's a, it's a Thanksgiving um, and Christmas thing. And it just, honestly, I'm glad I live here, you know, <laughs> away from the potato salad. Um, does she have any other famous food adventures you'd like to mention? Yeah. So <laughs> now that I've like absolutely destroyed my mom's potato salad, I have to say that my mom is a really great cook. Um, <laughs> and she's uh, like, she's just a very good cook. Um, and she makes a really great, like jalapeno cornbread. Um, she makes really good Southern food in general. Um, yeah, just, it's, it's delicious. It's like cheddar and like jalapeno and sweet corn and like really just like it ha- like she makes it every Christmas morning. She makes jalapeno cornbread and like Christmas tea, which is basically like a, a spicier chai latte. And it's just, I live for it each time. It's so good. It like warms you up and you just feel so cozy. <laughs> You've described your heritage as a complicated Ooh, mix. Yes. Would you care to elaborate? Yeah. Um, so I am Afro-Latinx um, and specifically um, my mom is Puerto Rican. Um, and with that and just like my parent, my dad's side, so like his mom's side also comes from Puerto Rico. Um, but with that, it's like anything that has to do with Puerto Rico is really complicated. Um, just because it's like you have your indigenous folks, you've got your Tainos, you've got your Spaniards, and you've got your, um, like, Africans who, like, came over. It's, like, specifically West African. Um, so, like, no matter what, it's going to be very mixed. Um, but my mom is from Ponce um, and, like, San Juan, and my dad's family is from Carolina. Um, and in Carolina, there's a large portions like especially like more dark-skinned like afro-latinas um because of like one the slave trade and also just like 
people like just you know found community there yeah, probably found, yeah found community there and also just like took community not just found it like mm-hmm. took community back mm-hmm. um so my mom is light skin puerto rican and my dad is um a dark skin puerto rican but also my dad's black um because his dad is like black and hawaiian and like his mom is from like the virgin islands um as well as puerto rico yeah so it's like it's very like it's always really complicated when people are like so what are you where you're from and it's like um <laughs> don't we love Listen. that question oh it's isn't great that, oh it's like when you have like that <laughs> ambiguous like light skin but kinky hair mix of like Ooh, did I add you? It's like, ah, you, you can mm. expect the question. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, what are you? It's like, oh, um, um. how much time do you have? (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Exactly. I mean, if you even feel like indulging that person. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I don't think we often do. Mm -hmm. Um, but yet the questions continue. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And it's always like a, like a nerve wracking, like, uh, what am I? Cause it's like, it throws you in a, it throws me at least into like a little panic of like, you know, it's like, mm, like there's obviously always like an insecurity with that of like when you are mixed, it's like, ooh, how much of what do I claim? Also being in the Latin community, um, it's such a thing of like, no matter if you're on the same island, even if you have so many similarities, colorism and like being lighter or being darker really plays a part in how people treat you and like the importance that they give um, and they subject you to, so it's, it's really wild and it's really like really unfortunate because so many like people in the Latin community, even in like DR, like don't think that they're people of color or like, or like would much rather and much faster, like rep their Spaniard side, um, than like the sides that are like, like black, you know? Um, so it's it's something that I continue to work on and I continue to find like reassurance in just by trying to surround myself by with community, you know? Mm. <laughs> now, are you a podcast fan? I am. I, I do like podcasts. I try to find time for them, but it's hard. But I do I do really like podcasts. I like mystery podcast and like um like horror podcast i like your podcast (laughs) that was not me fishing at all but so what what's your favorite one would you say Ooh, um i I feel like i'm gonna say browning out (laughs) the purpose of the question you you said murder and like horror yeah my favorite murder is that one that you like oh i've never heard of that one but i can check it out my my favorite murder? Yeah. You've never heard of that? No, I haven't. Listen. Oh, no. Listen. You're going to have the oh, whole no. podcast community after I both know. of us. Oh, so my gosh. before this airs, <laughs> yes. I want you to do a okay. crash course in yes. My Favorite Murder yeah. so no one um, comes for oh, us. Oh, man. I didn't even think about the listeners. I'm so sorry. <laughs> <laughs> but, so, so what is your favorite one? I really like um, Welcome to Night. Night. I see I'm going to mess up the name because I'm nervous. Um, welcome to Night Night in Vale. Maybe that's it. Yeah, it's just a really good like horror podcast. It's been going on for a while. I also really like Supreme Court podcast. 
Um, they're really good. Um, Vox has really great podcasts. Also, The Weeds is amazing. If you like anything to do with politics, you should watch, like, you should listen to The Weeds. Um, Tell us about The Weeds. The Weeds just, they do, like, um, it's kind of like NPR, like, news, but a podcast. But also NPR has a podcast, so maybe that's a bad description. It just kind of it goes into, like, the little nitty-gritty of, like, different, like, um, like under the radar things that have to do with politics. Um, yeah. And it's really, it's really cool and it's really easy to understand. And it's not as dense as some podcasts that have to do with politics are. What's something interesting that you learned from the weeds recently? Ooh. Oh man, that's a, that's a good question. Oh, you got to put me on the spot like that. Okay. Um, the last thing I was listening to on the weeds, um, was because i don't listen to them in order um was they were making like it was like political commentary on like what was happening with the wall and this was during the beginning of the election and like the impact and message of like building the wall yeah which is like interesting some takeaways um some takeaways from that no yeah (laughs) just like donald trump is really terrible and i feel like that's a simplistic way to say that of like that's what i learned from that podcast of like damn our politics is shit and it still is and it's like not getting much better <laughs> um yeah that's what i learn every time i listen to a political podcast of like damn the government's really not out here for us not the way that they should be it's a bit discouraging yeah oh well, i'm so sorry um <laughs> Mm. And that's it's like really interesting because it's like I feel that way, but I'm also like a poli- like I was a political science major um, in school, and it's like so I do love the government, and I think it's super necessary. I guess saying I love the government is like a little too much. I see the I see the necess- like the necessity of a government. I don't think our government is any way, shape, or form lovable, <laughs> um, especially towards communities of color. I was actually just having like a two o'clock conversation with this with my best friend Maya um, yesterday about how like trash the government is, how like college is a complete scam and really just a really expensive library card. Um, (laughs) Yeah, shout out to Maya Padilla. Um, (laughs) But yeah, it's it's really, really crazy because it's like you can't expect anything else but trash when you have a whole government based in and founded on like slavery and persecution and prejudice so and it flows into higher education in what way yeah higher education um education should inherently be free um it is knowledge like of course services and like other cost you know sure charge that but education it should be something that's freely given um it's like or at least not so outrageously expensive it's like cover the like if we're covering like the bills for like utility and like land sure but it's crazy and it's crazy how like um how we're pushed such like white ideologies for education of like like how community centers and like not community centers community colleges are seen as less than um and that you have to leave your community to get a better better education you've got to get a white education um it's like i was taught and it's like it's really like a scam it's like really like they tricked us they fooled us into believing that like people in our own community with our own backgrounds um can't teach us like 
the same way or better than going to like the middle of nowhere um, to an all white campus um, just to get an education. You know, it's like just because the title and the name would be better. It's like it's it's really wild. It's like you could have the same experience uh, or like a similar academic experience in like a community college like the Bronx Community College, you know, or Lehman or like Mercy or any other like state school or city college. Um, but so much of it is like pushed that you should go, you should like go out, go out of state. Even if you go in state, go private college. Um, and that's somehow going to be better. Um, it's like not sustainable for the kids of color who are going into all these, into these all white spaces, like getting all, like all this debt for no reason. Um, yeah, so I think it's a, I think it's a scam, but it's a scam that I'm trying to get backed into, but it's a scam. Um, it's really wild. I heard you might have a controversial hot take on improv. Oh man. Just in its yeah. totality. What oh, do you, how do you I feel just, about improv? I think that people who can do it well are amazing. I don't think many people can do it. Um, and I, being one of them, I absolutely, I can't improv for shit. This is why I sucked at clowning. Like it was terrible. I cannot improv for anything. Um, but it's just, it's, it, it's so hard to watch. And it's like, I very much experience embarrassment for other people. Um, and improv just really hits me in a way that like <laughs> really just gets me. It just completely it throws me through a loop because I'm like, wow, they're really on stage pretending to be a mop. And like, that's funny. It's not funny, sis. It's not. And it's like, you, and it's like, but I can't do. And here's my frustration with improv. I can like, even if I talk all this shit about improv, I'm terrible at improv. So where do I really have to stand? And it's like, if I suck at it, I can't, I, that's what I try not. I try not to talk shit about things that I can't do. Um, so that's why I'm like, oh, I want to talk shit, but it's also like a really hard craft and I respect it a little bit, but it's like, oh. <laughs> those are my unpopular opinions on improv. Thank you for being so candid yeah. about that today. I really appreciate yeah. that. Yeah. <laughs> what does black and brown queer culture in Vermont look like to you? Black and brown queer culture in Vermont. Um, I think it looks like community care. I feel like it's very much based in making sure your other black and brown queers are okay, that they've got a meal and that they're like, they've got someone to talk to and vent to, like, even if you don't really know them that well, um, just like a checkup and a check-in. Um, I think that's what, what I've experienced from black and brown <laughs> communities in Vermont. Um, I think it's a lot about like having a good time and like, showing that self-care is warfare and like showing that like like to be brown and joyful and like queer is in itself revolutionary and trying to bring that in like bring that out and the people around you um and it's just been a i've it's just been a great time yeah <laughs> it's like mm -hmm. <laughs> it's like a little dance party each time it's like just excitement and like relief it's like even working in a store um being able to see like the black and brown queer community come in and just be like oh hey do you need help finding like cookie cutters you know <laughs> it's it's so great when do you feel most brown and out when do i feel most brown and out hmm 
I would say hanging out with you, Reggie, <laughs> but also <laughs> um, <laughs> I would say um, when I'm in my friend Angel's kitchen um, or when I'm in my own kitchen with my like like brown and queer roommates, um, cooking, listening to music, dancing, laughing, um, just really like simple everyday things because it's like I really do like surround myself with like really great queer brown people um and seeing them be so like openly like proud of everything about the things that they're meant not to be is like so great it's like so so like filling um and it just like feeds my soul in a very specific way that's just so so good um yeah Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, thank you so much for speaking yeah. with us today, Mumu. You are brilliant, and you've been a wonderful guest. Thank you. <laughs>